And so for my title this Sunday, God has given me um, the title, What the People Need. Amen. And so my my very first question to you all on today on this on a Sunday where it seemed like, you know, and maybe it's just me. I feel good. I enjoyed last night. I enjoyed the fellowship of last night. But maybe it's just me seeming like we dragging and we going through the motion. Amen. Um, and I know the house starting service house was not as full as it, as it normally is. Amen. And, and that's just it. Sometimes we rely on certain ones. Amen. To, to hype us up. And if they don't hype us up, we not quite hype. But anyway. Amen. My very first question to you all on today is what brings us to places of prayer? Amen. What brings us to places of praise? What brings us to places of thanksgiving? Amen. To places of this of deliverance. And I, when I when I say what brings us to, amen, I'm asking what does it take? What does it take to make you pray? Amen. What does it take to make you praise? Amen. What does it take to make you give thanks? Amen. And you know, quite honestly, sometimes it's you got to be tragedy. That's the only way we're going to praise them. I mean, so many times I've come in here and asked for a testimony. It's like, don't nobody come. Amen. So then either minister or missionary or somebody will step out and say, okay, let me go. Let me find something to say because nobody else got nothing to say. Right? But what does it take to bring us to a, a, a place, amen, where we want to pray like God? That's what I want to do. Like, there's nothing going wrong with me that's bringing me to this to this place, but I, I, I really want to praise you right now. I really want to give you thanks right now. I, I really want to worship you right now, right? What brings you to church on the day? What makes you want to hit your knees, amen? When the last time you just had an overwhelming sensation to hit your knees? A lot of times it's like, life got to give us a gut punch. That's what my wife calls it. Life got to give us a gut punch. Before we decide to, to hit our knees. And the reason for that is a lot of times we operate in unhealthy strength. Right? Things are going on or we walking around like we strong. And then certain things in our life happens that make us realize we not strong. And then we find ourselves on our knees or we find ourselves at the altar. Or we find ourselves in church. Right? We start looking for them. But my question is, why do things have to go wrong? Before you give him praise. Why do things have to go wrong before you want to give thanks? Right? Why do things have to go wrong before you seek wise counsel? Right? Why does everything have to fall apart? Right? Before you say, Jesus, I need you. Why you can't say that on our old regular Tuesday when everything is going right? Right? Why you can't bring yourself to a place where you like... You know, when y'all, when we come up to this altar and we get prayer and the spirit moving and we feeling good, why we can't do that on a regular day when you by yourself in your house? Why you can't be in the presence of the Lord then? What makes you want to call on God? Amen. What makes you, right? What makes you? And I wish this was Bible study because I would want some answers back. Right? What makes you want to call on God? Amen. And so a lot of us, we need to, our relationship with God is, 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 is so, it's so messed up that we can't hear from him. I'm just being honest. Like, we, it's so messed up we can't hear from him. Y'all got to understand, and I keep, you know, 
Sometimes when I'm at this altar and I'm praying and I'm asking God to do stuff, it's like I already see it happening. That made me want to praise him, even though I can't see it. Right. Something that Armabera said stood out to me in Bible study. He was talking about, you know, sometimes he struggles with sin. He has to see it happen. You right in another person. He has to see it happen first and then he can believe it. And then I. I went home and Pastor T and I was talking and we were just thinking about that thing. And I said, but Hebrews 11 say faith is unseen, right? Sometimes, like, you're not going to see it. And you still, there's still got to be something in you that's going to make you. I want to praise you anyway, even though I don't see it. What brings you to that place? And so on today, I'm going to be in Genesis. And it's not going to be a long one. It's just how I, I can feel it. It ain't going to be a long one, but I hope that it blesses you, right? So in Genesis 1, we see the creation of the world. In Genesis 2, we see the creation of humankind. In Genesis 3, we see the fall, right? We see the fall. And in Genesis 4, we see the first murder, right? Cain murders Abel. And that was one of the sermons in this series. In Genesis 4, we see the first murder and we see people turn to worldly pursuits. We see Cain go out and all of his descendants turn to these worldly pursuits. And so in Genesis 4 and 16, it says, so Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and lived in the land of Nod, wandering in exile east of Eden. Right? And, and I relate that to so many of us. And I say us because I include myself in that. I remember a time where I was just wandering in the land of exile, chasing worldly pursuits. I was not in the presence of God. And I love the amplifiers because it said the manifested presence of God. He went away from the manifested presence of God. Some of us, if you didn't come to church, could you honestly go home and say, God, they're with you? The manifested presence of God, meaning the move of God is in your house. You see it. You see it moving. You can feel it moving. He's talking to you. He's responding to your prayers. He's responding and acting on the manifested presence. I'm not talking about head knowledge. I'm talking about the manifested presence, meaning he shows up in your house. You got to know Jesus for yourself. Right? It's okay. And y'all know, like, one of the reasons we do so much fellowship in this house is because iron sharpens iron, right? We're supposed to have a special love for one another. We're supposed to double back and go get people when they fall. We're supposed to help carry one another's burdens. So there's nothing wrong with lifting your brothers and your sisters up and helping them get where they need to be in Christ. But at the end of the day, you know you got to know Jesus for yourself, right? You can't ride other people's coattails forever, you got to have the manifested presence of the Lord in your own life. He got to show up when you call, not just when pastor call, but when you call on him, he got to show up. When you pray, something got to happen. When you pray, something got to shift, something got to move, right? When you pray, something gets to get set free, get delivered, get loose, something has to happen. So in Genesis 4 and 16, the word says that Cain went away from the manifested presence and he's just wondering. Right. So much of what he and his family built was outside of the Lord's will. But then by the time we get to the 25th and the 26th verses, we see things start to shift. 
we see blessings and we see the power of salvation begin to move. Right? The word says, it says, when Cain had a son, he named him Enoch. And the name Enoch means dedicated or disciple. It was almost like when Cain had a son, everything that came from Cain, right? It was like Cain was determined to make something of himself after he's been cursed. Y'all go back and listen to that sermon. But after Cain got cursed, right, and he went away from the presence of the Lord, it was almost like he was saying, God, I'm going to show you. I'm going to make something in spite of myself, despite of what you say. It was like he was going to try to prove God wrong, right? Like, I'm going to succeed without your presence. And everything he built, right? So he named his son Enoch, meaning I'm dedicated. I'm going to be disciple. And I, and I think so many of us, so many people in this world right now are operating in that same spirit, right? They're operating in that same spirit. So many churches, right? They are empowering people, but they are empowering people to go out and do you, right? You can be whatever you want to be. You know, you think about children, you raise them, you tell them, right, you can be anything you want to be. That ain't true. It's not. It's not. Right? But that's that spirit of Cain. Like, I'm going to be dedicated. I'm going to be disciplined in the things that I want. But when it comes to the things of God, I don't care nothing about that. And so I ask yourself today, are you dedicated? Like, the same dedication that you have to your job to make sure you get that check, to make sure that you pay your bills, to make sure that your lights and your food, that same dedication that you have to that, the same dedication that you have to your friends or your social media or your hustle or building, whatever it is, that same dedication. Do you have that same dedication when it comes to God? Notice I didn't say church. Right? Because your dedication to church is reflective of your dedication to God. Right? It should be. Right? Otherwise, it's just fate. Like, you can be coming to church and still not do nothing. Right? It was like Cain was determined, I'm going to do it in spite of. So when Seth is born, coming to the end of this, the end of the fourth chapter, it says when Seth was born, God was bringing a promise back to life. And that's the thing about God. It's like he is the God of the living. He's about bringing things back to life. So when self was born, God was bringing a promise back to life. And I say bringing a promise back to life because y'all got to remember that Abel, who offered the good offering, was dead. So when Seth had his first son, he named him Enosh, which means mortal man, sick despair, forgetful. And it may seem like, why would you name your son that? Why would you name your son something that means mortal man, sick, despair, forgetful? Why would you name that? But the name is a reminder that we are nothing without God. Right? Well, Cain named his son saying something, God, I'm going to I'm going to survive, I'm going to make it without you. Seth named his son and said, God, I'm dependent upon you because I'm sick. I'm in despair. Right. I'm moral. I'm forgetful. I make mistakes. I need you. Right. Because the word says after Seth born at that same time, men began to start to praise the Lord again. The reason that we don't praise the Lord like we like we should is because we often forget just how desperate we are in need of God. If you realize, right, how close you are not to being here, you would give him a little bit more praise. 
It shouldn't take the car accident to know that you could be in one, right? It shouldn't take homelessness to realize that you could be homeless, right? You should realize that before you get to that point and give them praise and give them thanksgiving and give them all of those things before you get there. But a lot of us are dedicated and disciplined thinking we making a way for ourselves when we're not. Right? So Seth named his son Enosh. It was a reminder that we are nothing without God, that God is a giver of second chances. For this reason, we should pray not only for ourselves, but for others. The second chance to start over. Right? The second chance for God to replace things. Right? The second chance to get a gift from God. God is invested in the new you. God is invested in the new you. God doesn't like how, how we invest in stuff. God doesn't waste his time with stuff. He don't throw his time and his effort and his energy into places that he knows is not going to succeed. He invests in the you that he wants you to be. Thank you, Lord. So by the time we get to Genesis 5 and 3, it says when Adam had lived 130 years, he became the father of a son in his own likeness according to his image, and named him Seth, right? And the rest of the fifth chapter goes on to detail the descendants of Seth until eventually we get to another Enoch, another dedicated one, but this Enoch is different. And I know sometimes when we read the Bible, we skip over like such and such begat, such and such, and such and such begat. Like we don't think that's important, but y'all got to learn to figure out what the names mean, right? So by the time that the rest of that fifth chapter goes on to describe the descendants of Seth, and eventually we get to another Enoch, another dedicated one, but this Enoch is different. The 21st verse says, when Enoch was 65 years old, he became the father of Methuselah. This Enoch walked in habitual fellowship with God. Right? He walked in habitual fellowship with God 300 years after the birth of his son and had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And that number ain't significant to y'all. <laughs> right? Habitual. He mean, he did it all the time. It was second nature. It was a habit to him. To walk with God. But it just didn't start with him. It went all the way back to his great, great, great granddaddy Seth. Who decided I'm going to start over. I'm going to start over the thing that died when Abel died. God has given a second chance. I'm going to start it over. I'm going to make it all right to give God praise. I'm going to make it all right to give God thanksgiving. I'm going to make it all right to depend and trust on God. I'm going to make it all right. And all of his children on down the line till he produced another Enoch that walked with God in reverent fear and obedience. Right? And the word says that when he died, he was not found among men because God took him away to be home with him. The word is describing it's like this Enoch got raptured. It don't say he died. It don't say he died. It just say God took him away. Well, why are you telling us that, Pastor? Because that's how it should be when every Christian dies. It shouldn't be like you died. It should be like God took you away. Y'all don't right? But in order for it to be like 
she's not dead. She's gone with God. In order for it to be like that, you got to walk in habitual relationship with God. Right? And when you live like that, you got to know something about Methuselah, who is the longest living person regarded in Scripture or recorded in Scripture. Like when you, when you when you walk in relationship with God, you leave a legacy of other people being blessed. You live a legacy of long life. You live a you live a you leave a legacy of of longevity, of blessing, of praise. And that's why the line of self is important. And you go on in the genealogy, and then you come to a person called Noah was a descendant of Seth. And by the time you get to know what does it say? Six and nine. These are the records of the generation, the family history of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, one who was just and had right standing with God, blameless in his evil generation. And I love that in his generation part, because I want y'all to understand, this is not saying that Noah was perfect, but it was saying compared to. And that's the thing. God is not asking you to be perfect, but he's asking you to be different compared to everybody else. Will you give me praise? Compared to everybody else who's doing it their way, who's making their own rules, will you at least try to give me praise? Try to live for me. Right? Blameless in his evil generation, Noah walked the Amplified Version has parentheses, he lived. And here we hear that term again in habitual fellowship with God. And if you know anything about Noah and his story, when the flood comes, who does God say? Noah and his family. But it didn't start with Noah. It goes back to Methuselah. It goes back to Enoch. It goes all the way back to Seth. Somebody, Seth made a decision, right? He made a decision, I'm going to restore what has been lost in my family. Right? When Cain killed Abel, it was like Cain was Cain was trying to, he was he, he basically killed off the person who offered a right sacrifice to God. The enemy wants to kill off right sacrifices. He doesn't want you to praise God. He don't want to, he don't want you to give him praise. He don't want you to give him thanksgiving. He don't want you to worship him. He tries to kill those things off his life. The enemy came to kill, steal, and destroy. He tries to kill those things off. You got to be, we got to be like self. We got to say, I'm going to bring this thing back. I'm going to bring praise back in my family. I'm going to bring thanksgiving back in my family. I'm going to bring dedication. I'm going to bring walking habitually with God back in my family. And when you do that, you will see the legacy of it in your kids, in your kids' kids. When you're dead and gone, that word's still going to be there. If he, if God promises that if you raise a child in the way that they should go, they'll never depart from it. Does this mean they're not going to make the mistakes? And they say, no, that's not what that means. That means the word's still going to be on it. They ain't never going to lose the word. Even though they make a mistake, the word is still in there and the word is going to do what it does. It's not going to return void. It can't return void.
It may not seem like it, y'all, but prayer has a powerful impact that spans generations after you're dead and gone. It may not seem like it. And I'm coming in, um, Junior. It may not seem like it, but prayer has a powerful impact that spans generations after you're dead and gone. And I specifically... You know, as, as I was studying, God gave me all this, this genealogy stuff. Like, I like I don't like to be bored. So, I like, I read my word. I can't, I can't preach Daniel in the lion's den every Sunday. Right? I, I want to I preach and I want to teach something so that you all get the full word. And I know a lot of times when we look at gene, uh, genealogies, we like, wow, what does that mean? Right, y'all got to realize sometimes when you're reading in a chapter, that chapter might span 100, 200 years. It ain't talking weak. It's not like our little mind. We be thinking from week to week. God wants you to see that he's faithful over hundreds of years, that he's faithful from generation to generation to generation. That's why I like nights like last night, I love it. To see smiles on the little kids' face at the plate, to expose them to something different, for them to start like, for them to start looking at y'all for easy to look at, Khadijah uh, like, but that's my auntie. Like that's the definition of what the word is supposed to do. It's like you get grafted into this family that becomes bigger than you can even imagine. Like people become like a part of your life, right? It like the word of God transforms, like transforms you. And it becomes so much bigger, like the legacy. Just even this Sunday, you know, Jaden went to the altar for her parents, went to the altar. I mean, they were close behind, but the fact that it was in her mind, like, I know what to do. Like, past, I be watching stuff like that. The fact that she know what to do. So that, to me, that's saying like, okay, well, even if mom and daddy don't come, I'm going But that's the word. That, that that's that's give teacher Tony her flowers, right? That's that's give those of you who love on Jada to have conversations. That's give y'all her flowers. That's give her parents flowers for keeping her in the church, for being dedicated to the church. It may not seem like you're doing nothing, but when you do stuff for God, like it's it's greater than you can imagine. Like what's actually happening in the spirit is bigger. What do the people need? Jesus. 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 What do the people need? Jesus. And it shouldn't take tragedy. Amen. I'm just, I'm thankful that God can use anything to draw us, right? I'm thankful for that, but it shouldn't take that for us to praise him. It shouldn't take that for us to give him glory, for us to give him praise. We just need to have a mindset like self to say, I'm going to bring this thing back. Lord, I need you. I need you. I'm not going to pretend. Think about he had his first child and then he says, I'm going to name him. Sick, despair, forgetful. It's like, okay, God, I don't know what to do with this baby. You're going to have to, I'm dependent on you. Like that's the mindset we gotta have. Whatever you undertaking in your life, 
whether it's having a baby, whether it's getting married, whether it's a new job, whether it's a stronghold that you're trying to overcome, starting a new business, whatever it is, you need to have the mindset, God, that I need you to do this thing. I need you to do this thing. It's not going to get done no other way. I need you to do this thing. And if you do that, it will be successful. Not might, it will be. 